he made the same transition that I did in writing in writing the novel, where it went from um, just straight comedy or satire into romantic comedy, which then kind of falls into the romance novel genre loosely. Welcome to Author Audio, a podcast where authors share the origins of their stories, give their characters the spotlight, and talk about how they create their books. I'm your host, Ron Siebold, of the Writer's Workshop in Austin. Our author today is Larry Brill. His latest novel is Deja Vu, a comic story of what it would be like to return to high school and get the one special girl who got away. It's Larry's third novel, and is most tender yet. Where did you get started when you wanted to put the story together? Well, I always wanted to do a story that was about deja vu because I have a lot of um, those incidents happen to me quite frequently. And I've read a few things about, you know, why that happens and whether it's I'm an old soul. Somebody suggested that, you know, I've been around the block more than once. Um, and that's part of that's what deja vu is. I don't know that I buy any of the particular theories, but I've always just been fascinated by that. So I, um, I actually had a very strong sense of deja vu once upon a time when I was a little kid. And that's just sort of stuck with me. And I just wanted to do that. And then, of course, I've always been a, a retronaut. Oh, a nostalgist. I like that. If you retronaut. Will. A retronaut. Uh you know, uh, I won't say I'm obsessed with the past, but I just happen to really enjoy thinking about it. So I married those two things into a novel. The book follows Nate back into his high school days. Tell me a little bit about the story. Uh, tease us. I tease you. Well, yes. well, basically, it's a story about a guy who, and this is something else I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, I know a number of um, screenwriters who have made, at least scratched out a living without ever having their script produced into a movie, huh. turned into a movie. You know, they get these options. That's how Hollywood works. They give you money so that they have the rights to produce your story someday as a movie, and then decades could go by before it ever gets turned into a movie or it never gets turned into a movie. In the meantime, you get to cash the check, sort of like, you know, um, authors who get big advances on their novels, yeah. you know, and the book never makes enough money or make enough sales to um, recover the cost of the advance. So after the advance, the author never makes another dime. So this is the kind of screenwriter that... that and and Nate, is a, he's been, you know, slapped upside the head more often than he really cares to think about. So as a screenwriter, he decides that he wants to go back home and reboot his life. He writes a screenplay for himself, goes back home, and then recreates his high school days to... Basically, um, as I said, reboot his life, and it just it starts a whole series of comic adventures and how he does that. Is there something in particular he wishes was different about his life when he makes that choice? Well, this is where the deja vu comes in. He has this deja vu incident that happens to him as a young boy, where he meets a girl. And this girl becomes a central figure because they actually wind up going to school together um, through all these years, all the way through high school. And then they have an incident that happens that, that breaks them apart huh. at, at the end of high school. And they go off 
their separate ways. So when he goes back to, uh, in this case, it's San Jose, he goes from Hollywood back up to Silicon Valley mm-hmm. um, to where his high school was, and he finds out he has a chance a second chance to win her heart again, you know, and this is 40 years later. And so that drives the, that drives the narrative for what he wants to do when he writes his script and follows his script. A lot of it happens to be about how he's going to win her heart again. What really drove me to actually write the story because it had been kind of percolating for a little bit, but I wasn't really going to do anything with it, but I went to my 40th high school reunion And we were all sitting around the table, um, probably after about the second or third glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And I just threw out, you know, um, you know, the idea that, you know, high school was really a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed it. And one of the guys sitting at the table asked the question that was in my head, says, well, if you could go back and do it all over again, would you? And then everybody at that table had a different take on would they do it or not. Some of them said, no, high school was the worst possible time of my life. I wouldn't dare do that. The women tended to say, oh, well, no, I wouldn't do that because if I did, I wouldn't have my children. Uh And they were defined by their children, at least in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the perfect answer. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, yeah. you know, that's that's a great answer. But the guys tended to go, oh, yeah, you know, and I would have dated so and so instead of her, you know, and um, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And then about two days later, I had dinner with a couple of friends. One of them was my prom date. She, huh. she couldn't make the reunion. So I had dinner with my prom date and one of our other classmates. And we and we were talking about that. And that's where the girlfriend issue really took hold. And I thought, OK, there's something to work with there. Each each novel is a learning lesson it is is a training for the next one and for the next one and for the next one. I'd like to think that I've gotten better. Um, I really believe the patterer. Um, because it was a different time frame, it's set in the 18th century and it's, and it's set in London. So I had to learn a lot about that, but I think that's a better story. Um, even though live at five was a great story, uh, you know, Definitely underappreciated, <laughs> as every writer thinks, you know, every book. Is, we do, we do, yes. You know, um, but I, I think that uh, it really was, it, it, it gave me a sharper look at the satire because it takes the, the modern TV newscast and it puts it in the hands of a guy, you know, 200 years ago. It imagines if Ben Franklin had invented the TV newscast, what would it look like back then? <laughs> um, and so that was really tricky. And, and it, but it sharpened my satire skills. Mm -hmm. And then this book, because it's contemporary and it's, um, so much of it really is autobiographical. I mean, it was so easy just to steal from my life and from this Facebook group that I happened to fall into of classmates from the seventies. Um, just taking all of that. I went back and looked at the high school that I went to, um, today and got, and spent the day with the principal just walking around and talking about how is school different today than it was back when we were, you know, back in the seventies. Wow. Um, and, um, and how much the, the campus has changed and how much it stayed the same. So that really was 
it made it so much easier for me to put myself in the place of Nate, who goes back to his old high school. And so, I mean, that was that I just took that and and ran with it. It was just so easy. And that's where it became a lot more biographical because I was able to steal a lot of the scenes. San Jose is where I grew up. You know, so I was able to take all the things that I remember about the valley growing up in in the valley and um, incorporate those into the story as well. And it just it just kind of wrote itself. I originally wanted to do um, a story about um, Nate, the hero, about his journey of self-discovery and redemption. You know, I mean, this is the ultimate second chance at life. Yeah. You know, it's do it yourself time travel. Hmm. Um, and I thought that originally that was going to be the majority of the book. What it became was a more of a romantic comedy. As yep. It was always going to be a comedy, mm-hmm. but it became more of a romantic comedy when I got into writing Julie, the heroine's part of the story. Um, the, I think those were the more sensitive moments. Uh, and so it became something of a romantic comedy. And then I started having people who were my early readers um, just to test out, you know, the what they call the beta readers, um, having them read it and look at it and then give me some feedback on it. And they started telling me, you know, this is this is definitely, you know, a romance. This should be in the romance category. I'm going, no, 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 this is not romance. This, this is comedy. It's satire. Yes, there's a couple they, you know, they're, they're, they're dealing with their relationship, but this is not a romance novel. Yeah. Well, I, I heard that over and over again. And then I started looking at it and going, well, if romantic comedy falls into a romance genre, then yeah, I guess this is. So then I went back and, and Nate starts out writing his own story and it's a story of self-discovery and redemption, his script. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's writing a script. I was writing a book, yeah. but he's writing a script. And then as it gets into the, the story, then people start telling him, you're writing a chick flick. This is all about women. This is, a, this is, and he keeps pushing back saying, no, 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 this is not a chick flick. This is a story. You know, it's a comedy, but you know, it's, it's, it's a story of discovery. Well, in the end, he gets a big offer from Hollywood because somebody wants to produce this as a chick flick. Oh, wow. And he, you know, he's going, well, if they're going to pay me this kind of money to make it, you know, a women, a woman's movie, a chick flick, um, then I guess that's what it is. So he made the same transition that I did in writing, in writing the novel where it went from, um, just straight comedy or satire into romantic comedy, which then kind of falls into the romance novel genre loosely. As you talk about the process of writing the book and putting it into, um, containers, um, what went into the choice to be able to alternate your chapters between Julie's point of view and Nate's point of view? Uh, It's almost like you have to shift gears in there pretty seriously to come from man's point of view and women's point of view. Did you experiment with that? And I did actually. And I had a, um, uh, an editor, um, after my second draft, um, I usually don't give the first draft to hardly anybody because I rewrite a lot between first and second draft. Huh. But I gave my second draft to a really well-regarded um, 
editor. And originally I had them alternating points of view, Nate's story, then Julie's story, then Nate's story and Julie's story and back and forth and back and forth. And she's, her first comment was, if you, if you're writing strictly romance, like Harlequin level romance, you're Mm -hmm. typically, then alternating chapters is a good idea. But she said, this story is not your typical romance and therefore you don't don't bounce back and forth so often. So it's almost like she was looking at the device and saying, you're almost kind of being hemmed in yeah. by this. And yeah. it really was. And I was so glad she said that because <laughs> when I was struggling with, you know, just the time frame and the, and the bouncing back and forth. Just it didn't feel right to me yeah. to do that. So it really at that point. The, you know, when your point of view shifts to the woman's point of view, um, it's it's almost random. It's how the story needs to go. Huh. And so there's no real set number of chapters or, you know, shift. It's, it's wherever the story takes us is, is how um, that's when the point of view changes. What about sidekicks? So these are really uh, important. So I like to think I write sidekicks better than anything else. I love the sidekicks in this and, and even the villain, if you will. Um, I have so much, I have more fun with them because they get to be quirkier. They get to be a little stranger. Um, the principal's name is the principal's name is Fester Haven, <laughs> Russell Fester Haven, who is, who, you know, turns out to be the, um, the if if there is a villain in the story, you know he's the villain in the story. I can practically imagine a three piece suit and a clipboard and a whistle in Festerhaven. Pretty pretty much so, yeah. yeah. And but the thing is, and this is why I liked writing him because he is like that when he's on campus and he's directing everybody, and also he winds up being the manager of the softball team that they they get Nate onto as part of the. Um, joining and and getting to know the other teachers and everybody, you know, and he's very buttoned. I mean, he is just so totally like that. But once he gets away from that, he turns into an entirely different kind of character. And you see the, you know, the two sides of him. And I really enjoyed, you know, writing that. Um, And I, I enjoyed um, Julie's best friend, Carla you know, is this, this little munchkin, she's only about five feet tall, uh-huh. but she is a dynamo and she's sarcastic and she's, uh, but she's, she's got the best lines. Yeah. You know, she's got the funniest lines, I think in the book. Breakout characters, like in your great, you know, situation comedies. Yeah. Giving them the opportunity to say what the main character doesn't know how to say yet. Right. Yeah. What do you think you want to do as far as the next book? Are you even to the point where you're thinking about an idea? Oh yeah, I've got I've got far too many ideas, but um, the Patterer uh, takes place in London in 1765. Uh, as my and, and for people who don't know what a Patterer is, mm-hmm. it's a forerunner of the broadcast. The broadcaster, they used to go out onto the streets or in the bars and they would deliver the news of the day and then people would pay them um, for, you know, providing the news because people did not read to that extent. Well, the patterer ends um, with my hero moving to America 
And so now I'm working on basically the sequel to that, where he's in America, it's leading up to the Revolutionary War, and now he's running a newspaper. Oh. So, uh, and that's called, I think tentatively, it's called The Printer. So we have The Patterer and The Printer. And it's, it's my character, this is about six, seven years later. And he is, um, and so he's now in, in uh, Boston area, and I'm writing that story. So all of your work so far has had a light Kind of a comic tone. Oh, yeah. What do you like about writing that way? I I don't know that I can really write any other way, mm. just because that's my nature. When I sit down, I start writing, and, and I have trouble not injecting comedy <laughs> into what I'm writing. Deja Vu by Larry Brill, out now. Available on Amazon and the other online outlets. You can get it in print or in ebook. And um, thanks for coming and talking to us this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Author Audio is produced in the studios of the Writers Workshop in Austin. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, get in touch with us at authoraudio.org/guest. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.